Welcome to Tune In YRDSB, inspiring learning through storytelling. Welcome back to another episode of Tune In YRDSB. My name is Cecil Roach, Coordinating Superintendent of Indigenous Education and Equity. I am so pleased to be your host today for this very special episode. When we launched the podcast last year, I had the honor of hosting several of our first few podcasts. Since then, this podcast has provided a platform for school staff, students, community members, and many others, many other incredible people to address topics from equity, treaty relationships, mental health, and much more. We launched our podcast with the celebration of Black Excellence, a topic we are excited to return to this week with some excellent special guests. This week, we'll be handing over the mic to three amazing students, Sydney Baxter, Cameron Davis, and Jayla Hall. These inspiring young folks have been very busy over the past few years on many fronts, both at school and in their communities. Their commitment to social justice, equity, and transformation of the public education system is beyond admirable, all while managing school and their social lives. I will let them tell you a little bit more about themselves in just a moment. This is an amazing conversation and I'm excited to share it with you. We spoke about their work on, as budding activists. We spoke about black history, about anti-black racism, about social justice, and about some of the changes that's needed in public education and some of the changes needed right here in, your, in the York Region District School Board. We are so pleased to be able to have the conversation today with such a bright and influential group of students. I have so many questions, and I want, to, I want to ask you. But before we begin, can you please tell us a little bit about yourselves? Why don't we start with Jayla Hall? Hey, everyone. My name is Jayla. I am an entrepreneur and a spoken word artist. I am currently the CEO of a business that I created called The Creator House, where I sell art pieces that shine light on the past, present, future, and future of Black history and culture. Hi everyone, my name is Sydney Baxter and I am a youth that goes to YRDSB. I have recently organized a, a Mark on Black Lives Matter protest. I do a lot of work in New York region when it comes to anti-Black racism. And I also work with the mayor of my city, which is Markham, and I work with the school board. Hi everybody, my name is Cameron Davis. I am an activist, entrepreneur, and uh, content creator. I have a YouTube channel where I share my own experiences with the travel, with my experience as a black teen in Canada, with gaming. I have a clothing brand where I create clothing to reunite and unify all seven continents around the globe into like one community, one world. And I'm hoping to make long lasting positive change in my community for good. <laughs> black History Month, as um, we know, it was last month. What is the significance of Black History Month to you? Why don't we start with Jayla? Uh, to me, Black History Month is not only an opportunity for us in the Black community to share and celebrate our stories that form the foundation of our collective history, but it is also an opportunity for people from different communities to pitch in and honor the contributions that we have created and the contributions that we have helped to influence in uh, Western culture, media, and every form of uh, every region of 
world history. So in whether it's in politics, in art, in theater, in music, just a celebration. Sydney, can you jump in on that question? Uh, yeah, I basically agree with what JLo said. It's really a time for celebration. Black History Month shouldn't be about, you know, how in the past there were some struggles, but should more focus on how we got past those things and just the greatness that was before and is after. We were kings and queens of prosperous kingdoms. Black people invented some things that are still used to this day, like African fractals. We've invented different genres of music, like Jayla was talking about before. So this is really a time to celebrate what we've contributed to not only North America, but really to the world. I think it's a time to highlight, praise, and embrace the contributions that Black people have made in our community in Canada. Like Cindy said, it's not just about slavery in Canada, it goes and it dates way back to that. And I also think that Black History Month is a great chance for allies and people who aren't people of color to become allies and take a step or dip their foot into uh, the depths of what activism truly is, what allyship truly is, and have the chance to become someone who is vouching for the same values and experiences and beliefs that black people are, that, that really goes and focuses for the equity that we should all have here in Canada today or all around the world. Thank you for that. Now, all of you are you know, in some way involved in your education. You are actually uh, all in, in secondary schools, in high schools. Um, tell me, what do you think are some of the things that need to change in education from, from your perspective? Why don't we start with Cameron? I'm going to say the curriculum, I know, I think we're all going to touch on that. The curriculum is a really big part of the education system that needs to be changed. But actually what I'll go into is staff and, and teachers and administration. I think that our staff and teachers need to have more of an education on Black history and Canadian history and really use their knowledge on that to educate students. And I also think that like that date backs to being receptive to students' voices, because I know that I've had problems with teachers where they didn't believe that racism even existed in Canada, and it was up to me to educate them. And I don't want that to happen to anyone else in the York Region District School Board again. So for teachers to be, or administration to be more receptive to students so that they could create a policy or create something and put it into practice so that that situation will happen again and that situation is used to create a positive impact in the future. Yeah, adding on to what Cameron was saying, when he when I first heard the story about the teacher that didn't believe racism was a thing in Canada, I was not surprised. I kind of understood where he was coming from and yeah, there is a huge problem with the way that some staff members run their classrooms. Like I, for example, just recently remembered how in grade four, one of my teachers had us do a activity that was basically half the class were servants and half the class were the masters and the servants had to do whatever the master students did, wanted us to do for the day, which is extremely problematic. And if the teacher had more of an understanding that that sort of thing is not okay to do, then maybe that wouldn't have happened in the first place. 
And also adding on to what Cameron was saying previously is the curriculum needs to change. There are so many people who understand that Black history is Canadian history, but we're not taught about Black Canadian history in history in the, in the history classroom or in any classroom to be uh, fair. Black people have contributed to every single subject you could think of. So I don't see a reason why they shouldn't be, you know, taught about in schools, especially since the, some of the contributions they made apply to us right now. Yes, everything that was previously stated was correct, and I wholeheartedly agree with it 100%. I think that, um, going off what Cam Cameron and Sydney said, I think that one of the biggest things that needs to change as well is how staff run their classrooms, especially when we're talking about protecting black, dig black dignity. When a black student enters into a classroom, they are taught something that is very dangerous. They are taught that they must submit their authority to the person who is in charge, regardless of who they are, where they come from, or their past, or what they might have. The reason why that is a really hard thing to grasp as a black student is because, I don't know if anyone here has uh, watched the movie Freedom Riders, but there's this really amazing scene that I believe it went viral somewhat, but there's this, <laughs> there's this scene where this boy, he talks to the teacher, she's a white woman, and is standing in front of the, ca the classroom and he says, why should I give my respect to you? Because you're called a teacher. It's like, how do I know you're not a bad person standing up there? When you grasp this concept of a student having to submit authority to someone in a classroom, regardless of how they are treated, it ha it's really important, especially when um, you, are in a, you are a black student. Uh, if I could just share an experience, um, sixth grade was one of the hardest years of my life in the school system. This was because of the relationships that I had with my teachers. Being a young black girl in the school system really taught me a lot about relationships in the sense that how, um, in the sense of perception and how people view you, especially because of your skin. You know, um, an experience as a black girl is the aggression piece. They think, people think that just because you speak out or call, call someone out for doing something that isn't right, it is seen as aggressive or um, uncalled for. I explicitly remember a teacher saying to me, I don't care what's going on outside of school. I'm your teacher. My sole responsibility is to make sure you get the grade and pass. And I remember exactly where we were. I remember exactly where we were sitting. But that was something that really, really, really broke me as a 12-year-old. The idea that I had to submit authority to someone who did not even want to respect me. I think one of the largest things that we need to consider in terms of um, staff and how something is run is that author authority does not equal superiority. And we need to understand that things like white fragility and systemic racism do not only exist within the realm of police brutality. Changing the school system or changing the education system also begins with protecting the dignity in black children. Thank you for that. There's this notion of communities for education. What is communities for education and can you tell us about the work you've been doing with them? Can we start with Cameron? Have you been, you've been doing some work with communities? I could talk about 
I, I don't even know what it was really called. I guess like a video for um, Black History Month talking about like the past and how we made like a PowerPoint and stuff for that. So can, can you talk, talk then about any work you've been doing with communities? Um, Sydney, you said you're working with the Markham um, community. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of that? So um, after the Black Lives Matter protests that I organized uh, around last summer, the mayor of Markham reached out to me because he wanted to create a Black Youth Liaison Committee, which is basically a group of Black youth from around Markham that will directly be working with the city in order to talk about things such as anti-Black racism and to just basically work with the mayor's office directly. And this has been, we've been working on this since I think it was June or July, July, it was July. So um, actually this week, they're starting to get people to apply to this. So you can actually start applying tomorrow and that's pretty cool. So yeah, I've been a part of that. He appointed me as like the first member from way back months ago and yeah, I've been working really closely with the city on that. Jayla, have you been involved in anything to do with the community? Yes, actually, um, me, Cameron, and Sydney just finished a project a few, uh, I think it was about a month ago for Black History Month for YRDSB. And aside from that, um, my mother is <laughs> the chairperson of the Newmarket African Caribbean Canadian Association. So I have indeed been doing some work with her, um, attending meetings and such, and hearing the stories of many other uh, black people in my community. Aside from that, personally, my greatest um, contributions have to do with my craft. Um, as I previously mentioned, I am a spoken word artist. So a lot of the activism that I do comes from writing pieces. One of the things I love about poetry is that you can say whatever you want. And the only thing people will do is snap and clap. <laughs> so. I have been able to get a lot of points across through that and I've been asked to speak at events and such where police, um, chief of police have been attending in audiences and people in high positions of power. So I've been able to make an impact um, through that. Also some, some work that I've been doing in the community is I'm on the Newmarket Aurora Youth Council in the social justice group where me and a lot of other students or a few other students from YRDSB are looking to dismantle uh, unfair systems and spark change in our community. And, and Cameron, I know you've sort of been involved with an online community. Um, uh, uh, is there anything you, you, you see you want to share about that? Yeah, so Sydney and I are co-founders for an organization called BYR Youth, where we created a platform for Black youth to come together, share their experiences, share their voice, so that we could spark change in the education system, we, in our community like Markham, in Georgina. So that, that organization is working to put like town halls in place so that people have a voice. And when we use that voice, we've had great response, great people, people who were really receptive to what we were saying. And we've had lots of opportunities with the organization which led us to have another opportunities to talk with MPs, ministers of education, the director of education, whose hopes are to put our ideas in action. And with this aim, this goal in mind is our whole motive and motto for creating BYR Youth or creating 
the change that we wanted to see through activism. So it's great to see that what we're doing is slowly but surely starting to come along. And now we're just waiting for, for it to happen, I guess. Um, some of you talked about the work you did with, with the, for the board uh, on Black History Month. Um, you can either expand on that or talk about any other work that you've been doing with the school board this year. Oh, I can start that one. So like Cameron was previously talking about, we got to have a meeting with Director of Education in YRDSB and the senior leadership team. And we talked about some of our concerns for anti-Black racism that is very apparent in YRDSB. And we talk about things such as, you know, even though the board can't change the curriculum, they can still work within the curriculum to include Black people in what their staff are teaching. The main point that we want to get across is that we've been talking to people on like each level of the education system. And through that, we've been able to spark change on like the school level, admin level, and superintendent level. And that change is slowly starting to come across. We're waiting for more opportunities to speak to ministers and the members of the education system so that we could kind of reinforce it. And we're also, as the organization Be Where Our Youth, we're trying to create another town hall so that we could call out who's not doing the work that we've asked them and also encourage them to get started on it and remind them that we're here to help them achieve those goals as well. And we don't also, want to let it die out. Oh yeah, and, and adding on to that, uh, recently for BYR Youth, me and Cameron, we did a presentation to a grade eight class, which is in the York Region School Board. And we basically talked to them about the activism we were doing and encouraged them to become activists themselves. So that was a really cool opportunity in order to work directly with other students to help encourage them to create positive change. Jayla, can you talk a little bit about any work you've been doing with the school board this year? Um, I am also doing a presentation of my own, speaking to grade eight students as well. I'm going to be doing that later this month, I believe. Yes, later this month. And I'll be talking about um, my experiences as a black student and some other things of that nature. Other than that, I've been mainly speaking to black students within my school, within my community, or my old school, I'd say, because ever since COVID, you know, we haven't had much opportunities to get together. but. A year ago, I guess I would say before the pandemic began, I would talk a lot to black students that um, were in my elementary school. I would make sure I would keep in touch with them, see how they were doing, um, see if they needed help with anything, and also hear about their stories. There was this one person that was in my grade. He's a, he's a great friend of mine, and he, we talked a lot about the struggles we were facing, and we tried our best to speak out, whether it was to school principals, to teachers, to other people within the school board. Okay, thank you. Can, can you folks also talk about anything else that you've been doing, any other work you've been doing with folks to effect change in the board or, or in your community in general? Yeah, we've talked, well, I've talked to pieces of media like Metro Morning, The Social, CP24, I don't want to miss out on someone and they're like, hey, you didn't mention us, but we've been, we've had a, we've had a really high social media presence and through like social media, we've been able to inflict change. And through that, we've been able to talk and create lessons on how to talk to your kids about racism 
how to have that conversation, how to make sure that they're receptive to it, or even how to unify a community as a youth activist or at a young age. And soon I'm gonna be talking about how to diffuse situations because of white fragility or diffuse situations because you wanna be an activist that is inspiring and has the most people as a lot of people listening to what you're trying to say and what message you're trying to get across. And if they're defensive, if the situation escalates, they're not going to be receptive. They're not going to be listening to what you're saying. Yeah. To add on to what Karen was saying, over the past few months, I've done a couple of interviews on City TV. I've done an interview recently on CBC and was on CBC radio to talk about the Vaughn renaming and how we were able to get the name Hodanalea, which is of a Black Somali Muslim woman who is a Canadian, and we got her name put onto a school, which was really cool. And it was, uh, it really shows how much change that people's voices can make. Uh, I've also been a part of something called Black Saturday School, which was started by one of the adults who is a part of our organization. She started it in Georgina after our town hall which led to the mayor wanting to have you know more more talks about anti-black racism and anti-indigenous racism so this lady her name is Kendra who's a part of our organization she decided that she's going to work with the city to make something called Black Saturday School which was basically a three-hour-ish type of program that's available to kids during Saturdays and me and another person from our organization we were actually teachers one day and we put together a presentation to teach children about um, the history of the civil rights movement. So it was really, that was a really fun experience. And I really enjoy talking to young people, people younger than me, of course, about how to be a good activist and to also teach them. So Jayla, anything else you've been doing to make change happen in, in the board, in the region, in your community? Um, I've been um, using my business to help spark change in the community as well. I am currently working on a book that promotes financial literacy for children and it's called Money Trees and it's more spe it's specifically for black children not only in my community but hopefully across Canada and eventually across the world so I am <laughs> I'm writing or I've written it actually and edited it with a with someone who is in that field it's good to go and I'm just working on the illustrations. So as I did mention, I draw, so I'm working on the illustrations currently and I'm hoping to have that out soon. And maybe I'll be able to talk to someone and get them into schools. So thank you. Um, maybe you can talk about a little bit about what is it that you want to say to students? If you were to, students were in front of you right now, what would you say to them? Why don't we start with Jayla? If, a, if students were in front of me right now, is this all students or black students? Well, what would you just, let's just, you know, all students. What would you say to students? Okay. I think that if there were students in front of me right now, I'm just imagining just small children <laughs> just in front of me. But I think that if I were to say something to them, I would say that, yes, we are all the same on the inside. Yes, we should make an effort to acknowledge that we are all one, we are all a unit, and we should promote unity everywhere we go. Promoting unity, or unity is not the absence of difference, 
I think I would try to let them understand that even though we are all one, our differences are what make us shine. And it sounds very cliche, but one of the things that I believe that kids need to learn is that, especially within the context of black dignity, saying black, saying someone is black is not a bad thing. Saying someone is white is not a a bad thing. Saying someone is Asian is not a bad thing and so on. We need to understand or what a lot of children need to understand is that our differences are valid and we can still be a unit and honor each other's differences. So it's not one or the other. They are two things that complement each other. Differences and unity. How about you, Sydney? What would you say to those students in front of you? So if I was able to talk to all the students at the same time, I would basically tell them to, you know, look out for each other. And when I say look out for each other, I mean that standing up to things like anti-Black racism is, it takes a lot of courage. And I know as students, sometimes you don't want to be the only person out. You don't want to speak up and say anything and cause problems, but it is it it's it has such a big impact when you choose to even tell your friend like you know that joke wasn't really cool or to if you hear a teacher or if you see a teacher picking on a black student for no real reason you know you can kind of question that and say hey you know uh, what's going on because I know I've seen a lot of things where teachers have picked on only black students and they have given them some severe punishments for things that other students got away with. And at the time, this was back in elementary school, I didn't say anything because I felt like if I said anything, I'd be the odd person out. But really, I should have said something. So I want to tell everyone, every student, that speaking up is the cool thing to do, okay? If you want to be cool, the real cool people stick up for other people. That is the most courageous, that is the bravest thing that you can do, and not many people can do it. And for you to do that, you will you will stand out in a room, and in the best way possible, because it shows that you have courage, that you have respect, that you have an understanding of other people, you're empathetic, and honestly, in the long run, what harm could it do? So that's what I would tell them. How would you, Cameron, what would you say to those students in front of you? I'd say, remember to listen, learn, and act. I always use that mantra, and I'm really happy that the city of Markham is also starting to use it now. So remember to always better yourself, be a critical thinker, be a critical listener, a lifelong learner. And like Sydney and Jayla both said, always have each other's backs. Because if we stand up for each other, if we understand that there are similarities in our differences and that's what makes us human then we could use that to our advantage and spark change and if you remember if you always think about it this way where there's a majority there's power where there's power in people you have to understand that when we have and when we stick up for each other we can have an impact that is much much stronger than if we were all independent or if we were all turned on each other so Remember to stick together. Remember to help each other out, lift each other up. Don't be like crabs in a bucket. And together we can move forward. Thank you. Um, Just as we come to an end, are there any final words from the three of you? 
stay optimistic. Change is going to be slow and it's, it might be tiring, but if we keep pushing, it'll eventually happen. And it's better to happen late than never. Yeah. To just always keep learning and follow that listen, learn, act mantra that Cameron has, because it really does have an impact on people. And you might not see it right now, but by just stopping that one person from saying a phrase that you know is harmful, that can really impact a person that could really help someone. And honestly, it just stops the snowball from continuing to just get bigger and bigger until, you know, from just making a joke to actually physically being discriminatory to a certain race. Like those are two lines that can be crossed. And if you prevent that from happening, then, you know, you could have just possibly saved a lot of people or you could have helped out a lot of people and a community in specific. Listen, learn, act, and keep on learning, keep on listening. Um, it took me a long time to find, I think that I would start off by saying it took me a long time to find my voice. Uh, as a girl who's been tone policed countless times, I would tell all students, first of all, to respect authority, but don't fear authority. And if someone is abusing their authority, you have every right to speak out. I think that one of the things that children need to learn is that someone's status is not a free pass for them to um, disrespect you. Children have power. Children have minds. Children have so much to offer. And we should not allow someone, regardless of their age, regardless of their status, to hinder our light. And to black students specifically, you are not human Google, okay? <laughs> Get that through your head. Like, you are not responsible. You are, are, you are not responsible for educating someone else on something that they should already know. I think that what I'm, what I'm trying to say with that specific line is there's this huge expectation that black people are responsible for educating white people on their history or something that we should something that they should already know especially as Cameron was saying previously if they are in a position of authority this these are things that they should already know this is training that they should already have we are not human google so to all students challenge authority and respect authority but don't fear it and to black students specifically keep going keep going <laughs> and Stay close to your history, know your history. And you can't expect to go anywhere if you don't know where you've been. So, okay, why don't you tell us what is it that you'd wanna see the York Region District School Board do to make the board a better place for black students and subsequently a better place for all students? So what I would want to see the board do is, first of all, they have to get on top of training not only teachers, but they need to teach principals, vice principals, anyone basically who is a staff member of YRDSB needs to be taught not only just anti-racism training, but specifically anti-Black racism training. And also on top of that, they need to learn about Black history. And for specific departments, specific um, areas, I know that 
the curriculum is not the greatest right now, but there are loopholes because I have had teachers teach me a diverse class about black authors. We've had indigenous authors. We had Asian authors. It was an English class and it was, it was great. It was wonderful to see that type of diversity. So I know it is possible within the curriculum. It's just not applied. So for the school board to really take that and to apply it to every area because teachers can cover their curriculum while keeping it diverse at the same time. So that is what I would like to see. And I would also like to see black voice be valued more in the school board. I would like to see that the board actually creates a, maybe something or a group of students, of black students that can work directly with the school board to help them kind of navigate what the black students need and to hear it directly from the black students because black student voice is non-existent in the school board right now. And that is why there's so many problems because people are trying to help us, but they don't really ask us what we need. So that would be amazing. And that would be something that I would personally want to help out with or look forward to doing. And I'll ask the same question to Cameron and, 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 and Angela can jump in. What can the school board do to make the YIDSB a better place for black students and for all students? I think to be open to suggestions, because as long as even though a curriculum has to be put in place, make that curriculum a bit more, a bit more fluctuant or a bit more malleable so that you're open to suggestions and are able to create a curriculum that is open to change because we're never going to have the perfect curriculum, in my opinion. It's always going to be changing. The world is always changing. So understanding that and making sure that we use that to our advantage. So we use that knowledge that we're never going to be truly perfect to always be open to new suggestions, always have an open mind and a growth mindset is going to allow us to create that curriculum that is the perfect quote-unquote curriculum for that time period. And as long as we keep doing that, we're going to be open to voices, open to new ideas, open to new courses even maybe. And that will allow us to broaden our horizon on learning, on education, on different topics, on different traditions, people. And that is going to influence how we learn as a community and how we grow as a country in Canada or in the YRDSB. <laughs> I'm always thinking internationally. Angela, the same question to you. Yeah, I agree with everything that was previously stated. I think one of the things that um, can be done within the school board also is to get rid of performative activism. <laughs> the idea that just because you post a black square on your Instagram or because you put up a poster saying racism is bad, say no to racism means that everything's good, everything's cool, everything's chill. No, it does not. <laughs> Posters aren't going to do much. What's going to really make an impact is conversation, being honest. And this isn't just for black students, this is for every student, every teacher, everyone. We need to be honest. There are too many scenarios that I can name or too many things that have happened to me where I've met people who are, quote, for the people, but only when it's digestible for them. Honesty is, or our lack, or the lack thereof, I guess I should say, is one of the things that are holding us back. The fact that so many people are nullifying and watering down what racism 
and systemic oppression and all of these things are actually doing too and how how people are actually being impacted by these things i think of one of uh, one of my favorite passages from the book white fragility by robin d'angelo she's an amazing woman but i think the passage says something like um or i actually have it right beside me but it says I conceptualize this process as white fragility. Though white fragility is triggered by discomfort and anxiety, it is born of superiority and entitlement. White fragility is not weakness per se. In fact, it is a powerful means of white racial control and the protection of white advantage. The lack of honesty comes from the desire to protect advantage. It doesn't necessarily stem from the idea that people are unaware. It comes from the desire that people want to be unaware so they can protect their advantage. I guess in conclusion, we need to get rid of performative activism and get real and be genuine about who we are and what we need to do to move forward. We can't just make ourselves look good. We have to get into the nitty gritty stuff, which is exactly what we're doing today. So this is a step closer. Well, thank you, Jayla, Sydney and Cameron for this incredible conversation today. I'm sure this isn't the last time that we will hear from you and hear about you and your accomplishments. Your passion and commitment is surely inspiring. I'm Cecil Roach, and thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for TuneIn YRDSB. Please join us next time to continue the conversation.